Well, our text for today is from our gospel reading, which Pastor Micah just read for us, from John chapter 21. Let me ask you, would you want to know now what will be the cause of your death? I hear a little bit of rumbling. Would you really want to know right now what that future thing will be that will cause you to breathe your final earthly breath? I see some shaking heads. I know I, for one, would not at all want to have that knowledge. But that is exactly the type of knowledge that Jesus is giving to Peter. That's exactly what Jesus is informing Peter of here in this strange moment in our text. John chapter 21, verse 18. Listen. Truly, truly, that's amen, amen, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will dress you and carry you where you do not want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. You will, Peter, stretch out your hands. Now that expression doesn't mean anything to us today, 2,000 years later, but at the time, this is what we call an idiom, an idiomatic expression. It was a common expression using very figurative language. You will stretch out your hands was another way of saying you will be crucified. And that's exactly what would happen to Peter in 64 AD under the emperor Nero. He would be crucified there in the city of Rome. He would stretch out his hands, which would be nailed to the wood of the cross. And in this, Jesus is saying to Peter, Peter, your life is going to be a life of sacrifice. You are going to give your life for the sake of my people, just as I gave my life. You are going to be crucified as I was crucified. And to put a positive spin on this, what Jesus is really saying here to Peter is, Peter, there is a transformation that is taking place deep within you. There is a change that is happening. There is a power that is growing within you that is going to make you the kind of person who has such strength, such a firm foundation, such love is going to be within you that you're going to give it away and you're going to be able to even give away your very life on a cross just as I did for you. And in fact, all of the disciples, you know, Jesus sent them out in what's called the Great Commission, go into all nations. And every single one of them, he knew, these were his closest friends on earth, every single one of those disciples would be martyred, they would be killed for the gospel of Jesus. Except for John, John would die of old age, but he was in a Roman prison camp. They all were sacrificial, they all gave their lives. And maybe we hear that today, 2,000 years later, and we kind of think, Phew. I am certainly glad God doesn't ask us today to live lives of sacrifice and sacrificial love the way they did then. Or doesn't he? 
Maybe it's not exactly the same way, and thankfully we don't live yet in an age where there's that type of persecution like under the Emperor Nero and others in the Roman Empire, and yet God does call us to live lives of radical love and sacrifice for others. Jesus calls us and says that we are to take up our cross daily and to follow him. You remember the words of Jesus where he said, that we are to love one another just as I have loved you. And it's that just as which could maybe cause us to tremble a little bit that Jesus, his great command is to love one another just as Jesus has loved the church, to give our lives for one another and to love one another in that sacrificial way. And Peter, 30 years after this moment with Jesus, close before his death, he writes a letter, we call it 1 Peter, And we heard this just a few moments ago, but 1 Peter chapter 4, Peter himself says, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. In other words, he's saying we are to pattern our life after the life of Jesus, who gave his life away. And we are called to give our lives away. Peter says in verse 8, above all, the number one thing, what is most important, keep loving one another earnestly, he says. Keeping loving one another from the depths of the core of our being, to love one another in this selfless way, totally sacrificial, not thinking about ourselves, but always thinking of the other. Now that is a difficult thing to do. And I dare say it's impossible apart from the grace of God. I remember Leah and I, my wife Leah, when we were engaged to be married, we were in counseling, premarital counseling, which is always a good thing for couples to do. And the pastor was talking to me directly. Ephesians chapter 5 says that husbands are supposed to love their wives as Christ has loved the church, which means we should be even willing to, to die for our wives. Scott, are you willing to die for Leah? And I remember as he was asking me that question, I was imagining all these sort of romantic, superhero, heroic kind of moments where I'm jumping in front of a bullet for her, you know, or lifting up burning wreckage off of her and my biceps are just huge. And Why are you laughing? But I had all these romantic, yes, I would die for you, girl. Yeah, I would give my life. And the pastor says, okay, would you be willing to live for her? Every day of your life, take out the trash and do the laundry and clean the house and don't go out with your friends when she needs you to stay home and you listen to her and you make time for her and you bite your tongue when you want to get back at her for something and Scott are you willing to put yourself second third fourth fifth and put her aside from Christ number one in your life and I remember thinking to myself I don't think this is going to work out (laughs) this is not what I'm signing up for here This is what God calls, this is what Jesus calls all of us to do for one another and for the world, even our enemies, Jesus would say. How can we do it? Why is it so difficult? Well, I think the 
Sunday school answer, but it's the biblical answer is why is it so different? It's because of sin. There's a problem within us. A long time ago in the garden, we lost God. We lost God. We lost ourselves. We lost ourselves. We lost our relationships with one another. Our relationship with God broken. Our relationship with ourselves broken. Our relationships amongst one another is broken. We lost God. We pushed him away. We ran and we hid from him. He said, where are you? I'm looking for you. Remember the story of Adam and Eve, and they try to cover themselves with these pathetic little fig leaves trying to cover their shame. What is shame? Shame is a deep sense within us that we do not measure up to some standard. A deep sense of unease or unworthiness or emptiness within us. We all have this shame and we all have these fig leaves, ways we try to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We lost God, we lost ourselves, we lost one another and the brother of Jesus, one of his brothers, was named James. And James wrote a letter where he says this, James chapter 4, verse 1. I find this really interesting. I've never seen this before. He says, what causes fights among you? Is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? In other words, he's saying the reason why we are not loving one another and maybe we are even fighting outwardly is that we are fighting inwardly. The reason why we can't love one another in this way and we fight amongst ourselves outwardly is that we're fighting within ourselves inwardly. There's something rotten in Denmark. There's, you know, we're all trying to justify ourselves. We're trying to make ourselves feel better about ourselves. We have to have our needs met, whatever it might be, and it can be a myriad of things. And we strive and strive and strive to fill up that emptiness, that God-shaped hole that's in our heart with all sorts of different things, whatever the fig leaves of your life are, to make yourself feel better. And then there's just a little scrap left over that we try to love people out of. We try to love people out of a emptiness within us. But of course, Jesus has another way. And Jesus is showing this way. This is sort of a case study in this encounter between Peter and Jesus. But what's happening here and what it shows us is that in order to find that kind of strength and that kind of love within us, that there is oftentimes a grief, a deep pain. It can be a painful process. It's surgery that God does deep within us. Jesus as the great physician does surgery within our hearts. And he's doing that with Peter here. Let's look at this quickly. It says again, verse 15 of John 21, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And there's a reason why he's asking that. We'll get to that in a moment. Do you love me more than these? And Peter said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And then Jesus said to him the third time, do you love me? And it says Peter was grieved. Because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And Peter said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know 
that I love you. Peter is wounded. He is deeply grieved. This is a deep pain, a deep sorrow from the very core of his being. He is so at the very core of himself, the very foundation of his soul. He is wounded. He is grieving. At the third time that Jesus asks him, do you love me? Now, why is the third time so impactful to Peter? Well, many of you know. You know what Peter has done. That he denied knowing Jesus how many times? Three times. In the courtyard there of the high priest, Jesus is on trial. They come up to him. Hey, you're, you're, you're with him. You're one of I do not know the man. They come to him again. No, you're one of I do not. I swear to God, I do not know the man. They come to him a third time. You were with him. No, may I be damned to hell if I know that man. And then the rooster crows. And the text says he goes out and he weeps bitterly. And Jesus, for a reason, for a purpose, is holding up this mirror and he's showing to Peter again this great moment of his failure. It seems like Jesus is rubbing salt in the wounds here, like he's almost being cruel. Of course, Jesus is never cruel. There is a reason he's doing surgery on Peter's heart. And the key to it here is that first question, he goes, do you love me more than these? And this connects with something that Peter himself had said in the upper room with the celebration of the Last Supper. And Jesus had said to all of them, you're all going to fall away. And in Matthew chapter 26, this was Peter's response. He says, you're all going to fall away. And Peter says, though they all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. You see the fig leaf for Peter? Oh, Jesus, oh, I, am the, I am not like the rest of these disciples. I'm the good one. I'm the best. I love you way more than they love you. They're going to fall away. I would never fall away. I, 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 and me, me, me. Jesus, how dare you say you, And this is what Peter was building his life upon, his identity upon. This is who he, he was the good one. He was the one who really was the follower of Jesus. And Jesus wants him to see this as the sinking sand, an inadequate foundation to build his life upon. Again, he's doing surgery in the heart of Peter. But at the same time that he's doing this, at the same time he's showing him his greatest failure, at the same time Jesus is wonderfully affirming Peter. And he's choosing Peter. Again, he says, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He says to him, feed my lambs. He says, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I, you know that I love you. He says, tend to my sheep. Do you love me, Peter? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter, at this moment, I'm showing you your greatest failure. You're the biggest failure, Peter, but I'm making you the greatest leader of my church. And he's loving, he's choosing Peter in this moment. And this is what Jesus would say to you today. 
he would say to you, stop trying in and of yourselves to justify yourself, to justify your existence, to make yourselves feel better. Stop trying to sew together those little pathetic fig leaves of your life. Jesus would say to you, I know it all. I know it all. I know every single thing you've done, everything you've said, every thought that you've had, I know you better than you know yourself. And I also know the holy standard of God. And Jesus says to you, and I love you, and I like you, and I choose you. Despite everything I know, I delight in you, and I want you. You follow me. And it's this dynamic between knowing our sin, and yet the more we know our sin, the more we know how amazing his grace actually is. And that produces a well, an infinite stream of his love that's within us. So now we're not loving out of the little bits that are left over, but we have this infinite supply of love in our hearts that we can give away, and we can give away as we follow Jesus. Now, one last thing here we, as we close here. There's a wonderful little point of application, very practical, but it's also, I find, one of the most comical moments in the entire Bible. Listen to what it says in verse 20 of John 21. It says, you got to imagine Peter and Jesus are walking along the beach at the Sea of Galilee. And it says, Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. And that's a description of John. So Peter sees John kind of following behind. And then it says this in verse 21. When Peter saw John, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? You don't find that funny. Okay, well. <laughs> Jesus has... <laughs> Jesus has just told Peter, Peter, you're going to die a horrible death by crucifixion. And the first thing that Peter does is, what about him? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus turns to Peter patiently. If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? What I do to him, what does that matter to you, Peter? You follow me, he says. You follow me emphatically. <clears throat> Peter, one last time. Don't compare yourself to someone else. Don't compare what I'm doing in someone else's life to what I'm doing in your life. Don't look to yourself. Don't compare yourselves to other people. Follow me. And you know, if to follow someone, you have to really keep your eyes fixed on them to follow wherever they go. And Jesus is saying, you look to me. I am the one who stretched out my hands and was nailed to a cross for you. Follow me. And that's what Jesus says to you today. Don't compare. Don't try to summon your meaning from the emptiness within. No, look to me. You follow me. To Christ alone be all the glory. Amen.